What's going on, people? Welcome back to Keep It 111. My name is Andy, and as always, I'm joined by the other main man, Sanha. What's up? And today, we have a very special guest, um, and we are so glad that he's joining us. Uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, Henry Pilcher, uh, defensive back coach at Grayson High School, and uh, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity to come in here and talk to you guys. Awesome. Thanks for coming, Henry. We're so excited to speak to you, and um, I guess, I mean, Sana, do you want to, like, briefly talk about, like, you know, how we got in touch with, you know, Henry? Yeah, so it's funny. I was, I don't even remember. I was, like, just talking about my podcast at work. Um, and then randomly, one of my coworkers, she was like, wait, my, I think you may have still been boyfriend, not fiance at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, coaches, coaches uh, high school football. I was like, wait, that's, that's awesome um we would love to like to talk to him just like pick his brain and she was like he loves talking about football and, and really all kinds of sports so I was like you yeah. know that he's the perfect guest he's the perfect guest for a podcast so um it's been a long time in the making mostly because we're new and we were very scuffed and frankly we're kind of scuffed now but we're a little more professional now than we <laughs> when we were uh on our first episode so um here we are here we are and we're we're very excited um yeah, you, you want to dive into topic number one. Like, Henry, do you have anything, any introductory words that you want to say? <laughs> um, As far as, like, my background with sports or... You know, yeah, yeah we can, I, think, I think we can start there. It's like, you know, how you got into football in the first place. I, I kind of already know a little bit. I, I, I'll, I won't lie, I did a little background research. <laughs> um, but I think um, Andy and, and everyone else would love to hear. Well, um, like we were talking earlier, you know, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, um, and just sports is just kind of like, you know, like what we what we did. Um, my mom's athletic. She was a flag girl in college. My mm -hmm. dad played football in college. Um, he also played for the Dallas Cowboys um, on the practice squad for three or four seasons. So it's kind of just like in me just to be athletic. Right. Um, my mom actually didn't let me play football until middle school because she was like, you're going to get hurt, which is what we'll, we'll probably get into that later as far as I think one of the topics was just how to navigate parents and all that kind of stuff. Right. But um, so I didn't get to play football until sixth grade. So starting out, it was just basketball and soccer. Uh, um, I, I saw myself as like a, a Ronaldo type guy, you know, but I was actually. <laughs> 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 um. But yeah, I just I just always been active, you know, just being outside was always more fun than being inside. So I just kind of just developed my athleticism, moving around and just hanging out with the guys. That's sweet. Yeah, uh, I think like, you know, uh, with like athletics, you know, it's, it's interesting how what somebody does in elementary, middle school is definitely not indicative of what they go on to do, you know, in high school. Right. Even, you know, college, you know, when, you know, when their bodies like really start to mature, you know, we get to really find out who's going to be six, six, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like that, that's about the time. Right. So can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, how like it changed for you in like high school and how you started getting involved with football? So uh, I guess I call myself a late bloomer. Um, I've always been, been kind of like a skinny guy, you know, I almost said petite, which would have been funny, but <laughs> <laughs> on the slimmer side, you know, I'm built for speed, not really power. Um, mm -hmm. But as I got older, ninth grade, you know, we actually started lifting weights and my body started developing some. And, you know, you kind of see more of like your potential. I've always had a frame. Um, but, you know, football is a physical game. So it, you need more than just 
what you're rolling in there with, if that makes sense. So ninth grade, um, that's when I really realized, you know, I could I can be legit at this, and uh, you know, it's been rolling ever since. Awesome, awesome. Do you, do you know is that about when you knew that football is the sport that you kind of wanted to focus on, or or when when, when did that come for you? Like how what was the thinking around there? Um, honestly, I would say I always knew I wanted to play football because mm. it was just like. I knew my dad played, my uncles played in college on my mom and dad's side. So it's just like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And you know how like your parents tell you, you can't do something. It kind of makes you want to do it more. <laughs> so for all those years, I'm thinking like, man, I can't play football. I got friends in the, in the little rec league or whatever. And yeah. they're talking about the games at school. And I'm just, it's just like making me want to play more. Mm. So it's like being held out for uh, elementary league and middle school league up until sixth grade. It was I like that forbidden fruit. Like I gotta go. Like I just can't wait to get out there with the guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. We could all, we could get it much deeper into you know the things that our parents tell us not to do that we ended up <laughs> yeah. doing. Right. I mean, <laughs> probably not gonna go anywhere appropriate for the podcast, but that'll be uh, a spin off. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> maybe, maybe at some point. Maybe yeah. when we get that right, uh, that freedom. Um, but, but Memphis, Tennessee, and, and now you're at Grayson, which is a school in Atlanta. Well, a little bit outside of Atlanta. Uh, so were you living in Atlanta at some point before this? Or, uh, or were you living in Memphis, Tennessee most of your life for this? So I um, lived in Memphis my whole life. Uh, I went to college in Arkansas. I played football and ran track at Arkansas State University, uh, which is like a mid-major D1, mid-level D1. Um, group of five Sunbelt Conference. Um, and then after college, I came back to Tennessee and I got in contact with my high school coach. And he was like, you know, man, uh, you know, we always kept the relationship. So like I'd come home on breaks or summer break, winter break, whatever, work out, just kind of be around the kids. He always wanted guys to come back and just like be motivation to show that coming from here, you can do this too. Like this guy's a real person and it's not just like some story. So uh, when I moved back home, got in contact with him, um, and he he offered me a job coaching defensive backs, uh, well, assistant defensive back coach the first year, um, and that just like piqued an interest because honestly, coaching wasn't really uh, it wasn't really something that I thought about. Like I knew I loved sports, but as far as like teaching somebody else and getting into that, that wasn't really it. Just piqued my interest when he offered me that opportunity, and I've been rolling ever since. Wow. So you are actually coaching at a different school than where you're at now, than you were coaching with a school back in Memphis? Is that correct? Yeah. So this is actually my fourth school. So wow. first two years out of out of college, I coached at my high school, Carville High School, which is technically, so this is for any of the listeners who, if you are from Memphis, you're going to say that school's not in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like the su- it's like the suburbs of Memphis. Okay. Um, I coached my first two years there. Um, then me and my, my now fiance, we got more serious and she lived in Atlanta at the time. And, uh, I moved here to Atlanta and I coached, uh, three seasons in Clayton County at a school called Monday's Mill. Um, and I just did one season at Chapel Hill in Douglasville. And then this Grayson job fell in my lap and, uh, you know, when stuff like that comes around, you don't turn that down. Wow. So like getting like a getting like a kind of a noticing a pattern here, I guess you've been coaching defensive back primarily. Is that the position you played when you were in college and high school? Yeah. So I played corner uh, 
ninth grade, I played a little bit of safety. But uh, like I said, I'm not the most physical guy, and safety's responsibilities are a little different. You got to come downhill and thump those guys. And <laughs> my body wasn't made for that. So <laughs> I play on the perimeter. So I played corner. Um, when I got to Arkansas State, I played a little corner and a little safety. Um, and that's just where I'm most comfortable. Um, I'm learning more of the game as far as putting the whole scheme together with the front seven and the back half. But right, uh, right now, like, that's my thing is defensive backs. Young Nick Saban. Got it. Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Um, actually, I, I'm curious, In while you're in college, um, can you talk to us a little bit about what the competition was like, like playing against, like who's the best player you uh, that you think you played against? Who was the toughest assignment that you had? Oh, uh, okay. So <laughs> that's a good question. I would probably say in the conference, because we actually played those guys more than like our out-of-conference games. Right. So, uh, I'd probably say T.Y. Hilton. Oh, so my gosh. You played against T.Y. Yeah, when he was at Florida International. Come on, there's got to be harder ones than that. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was the real deal. T.Y. Hilton. That guy ran like 4-2-5 wow, wow, wow. or something. That guy's no, so no, fast. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> that incredible. And it didn't matter if we double covered him or, you know, whatever we were trying to play games with him, he was going to get open. And oh, it was my just, gosh. It was one of those deals where we got to shut the other guys down and then try to contain what he's going to do. So I'd probably say – Wow. He was the best receiver yeah. um, that I went against in those years. As far as, like, on, on the team, yeah. uh, there was a guy. <laughs> he's a character, so it's it's funny because I know a ton of guys who had a ton of talent but didn't really do what they should have done with it. Mm. But uh, his name was Josh Jarbo, and he was one of the most talented receivers, like, just gifted, like do whatever one I can one one through nine. Next, that's the route tree. They number yeah. off the you know one through nine, and he could he could do it all. It was wow. just easy for him. Amazing. I so I'm curious then. So um, cornerbacks don't typically have to tackle running backs, but sometimes you have to, right? When they when they get to the second level or they're on the outside. Who do you think was the running back that you? wanted least to have to tackle (laughs) (laughs) um hmm. well i mean we saw guys in practice um i don't know if you guys remember who michael dyer is yeah yeah national championship with cam newton 2011 maybe i think that's right so 2012 he was at arkansas state actually oh shoot and uh just creative player like (laughs) he's he's gonna hurt you if you're not (laughs) if you're not bringing your lunch with you like be ready oh, and that's just in practice like there was guys so I'll, I'll give you a little story so uh our my freshman year this was like my welcome to college moment mm-hmm. uh I can't remember the guy's real name but he, they called him bull okay he played <laughs> he played fullback he ended up going to the Tampa Bay uh Buccaneers um but I was actually at free safety and uh, a friend of mine was at strong safety uh, this guy named James Bradbury we'll get to him a little bit later mm-hmm. but uh the hole opened up and it was me and it was me and Bull. And <laughs> I'm 19 years old and I'm like, this is my opportunity to, you know, show coach and everybody that I'm not scared. And I just remember opening my eyes and he was stepping over me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what happened from the beginning of the play to the end of the play. And I just remember James was helping me up and he was laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> That, that that's that that's really funny that's like that's so. like a daily occurrence out there you know when you get to that level everybody's good 
that that's that's my next question is you kind of talked you touched on it that's your kind of wake up this is college moment what do you think the biggest differences are between the high school football game and the college football game um the speed mm. the speed of every everything's moving faster you know not only are like the skill guys fast you know you're used to seeing a fast receiver or a fast running back you'll see that in high school but when you get to college, those run, those linebackers are fast. Those offensive linemen are fast. <laughs> Everything's just, it's just a step faster. So if you're mm -hmm. not used, if you can't adjust, you know, you can kind of get lost in the mix. Oh, okay. But definitely speed of the game, speed of the game. Everything, co coaches are expecting you to react faster. Everything's right. just, you can get mauled. I, <laughs> uh, I feel like, uh, I can't remember exactly, but we were running like a screen period and that's where, the offense is going to run through their screen package and the defense, we're going to defend it. There might've been a tunnel screen. One of those guards kind of released out and he was on me so fast. And I just remember thinking to myself, like this guy's at least 300. Like how did he get it? <laughs> yeah. That's, I'd probably say that's the biggest um, difference between the college game and moving up to that level. That's I mean, the good thing, right? Is that you were always, you know, like a speed guy. So, Maybe like in that arena, like it was, it was a little bit easier for you to adapt, but is there something that you really needed to work on when you get to college that like you thought was a very glaring, you know, part of the game that was missing in your arsenal is, is was it, was it mostly the physique? Uh, what was it? So, okay. So my younger days uh, going to camps, I always had great straight line speed. Like I was telling y'all, I also ran track. So going straight, like I'm not getting beat on a deep ball. You're not beating me in a straight line. Mm. But the change of the quick guys, the change of the, the T.Y. Hilton kind of built guys, that's going to be the problem for me. I, they always told me I had stiff hips. Mm. So um, just changing direction suddenly, that was something that I constantly had to work on. And it's something that I really focus on now with the kids that I coach because you don't really understand how, like, an integral part your hips are to everything that you do as far as, like, it's like your fulcrum of your movement. You know, if you're stiff, you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I think that's super important. Like Derek Stingley just went third overall because of his hips. Like, yes. I, I, like I don't know about anything else about his game, but it, it was his hips that like got him third overall, despite the fact that he didn't he's play good. Yeah. yeah, he he's, he's so smooth. Like, um, I mean that I mean that's awesome. Um, I, I have I can, I think I could talk about like college football forever, but uh. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spend all of our time there. Um, well, I'll, give, I'll give you. I'll give you one more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the best stadium that I've been in. Yes. Uh, twenty twenty twelve night game we played. It was actually at Oregon. We played at Oregon. Wow. And for me, that that experience, um, it was up there. Like mm. just feeling that energy. That was. That's it's memorable. Wow. I. You know, so we, we, Andy and I both went to Emory here. Um, and as you may or may not know, Emory does not have a football uh, team. Yeah. So we never had the chance to, you know, tailgate, go to college football games. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a huge part of my life that I missed. Um, but man. See, I feel the same way, though. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because so, like, I'm always on the other side of it. I never got to tailgate, I never got right. like student experience of like, that Saturday, everybody's like, oh, we're going to the game and like, we're going to be rowdy and, you know, this, that, and the third. And yeah, never got to, I didn't get to do that in high school. 
Mm. Like I'm, I'm reliving that now, but now I'm like yeah. I'm older, so it's like it's not the same. So I kind of I kind of feel you on that one. Gotcha. I mean that that definitely. Okay. Well, you know now that you brought up more college stories, I I, I just have to ask. Um, what do you think is what's some advice that you got from your college football coaches? You know, either a defensive backs coach, a defensive coordinator, a head coach, whoever it is. Um, that kind of still sticks with you today? Um, just so, uh, so my Arkansas State experience was one, for, I, I, I think I'm going to write a book about it. Wow. In five years, I had four different head coaches. So my freshman year, Coach Freeze uh, was the head coach, and then he went to Ole Miss. Mm. Um, and then second year, we had Coach Malzahn, who went to Auburn. Oh, wow. My third year, um, Coach Harson, who went to Boise State and who's now currently at Auburn. And then Coach Anderson, who was my, technically my redshirt junior year and redshirt senior year. And uh, now he's currently at uh, Utah State, I believe. So, I mean, I think I saw every type of personality, every type of coaching philosophy. But uh, my freshman year, uh, my defensive coordinator, it was a guy by the name of Dave Womack. And he always, he's just an old kind of Southern guy. Um, and uh, But see, I like those kind of guys. Uh, and he just always said, just be comfortable. Like, as long as you're comfortable with what you're doing, you'll play fast. Mm. When you're out there overthinking or you haven't really prepared how you should, then you're going to be moving slower than you should because you're going to be overthinking. If you're not reading, reacting, you know, that kind of always stuck with me. And now I kind of incorporate that into how I coach the kids now, just – We'll be comfortable. I'm not going to try to fit you into a mold. I want you to tell me wh what you're comfortable doing, and then we'll build around that. Nice, nice. So, like, let, let, let's, let's, you know, let's move into, you know, what you're doing now, right? Coaching at Grace. Could, for, the, for the people out there who don't know much about the high school, could you give us a little bit overview of, you know, what Grayson High School is like? Uh, man, it's crazy. Um, so I'm still a newbie, and I'm still, you know, learning my way around the culture of everything, but it's it's for me it's what it's everything that you dream about it's it's like high school football personified it's um it's friday night lights it's, yeah. it's the movie it's like the whole town's gonna be out you know you're gonna have support the kids are great um they won state in 2020 um they lost in the fourth round this current this this past season um and we'll be our expectations are a state championship again this year and you know we're we're gunning for it. But it the talent is crazy. Like it's it's off the chain as far as like how good these kids are. Uh one of our defensive linemen, one of our defensive linemen just got an offer today. He was at camp at Georgia and they offered him. Wow. And so you, you get an offer like that, you know, you're you're for real. And and don't you guys have one of the top safety prospects in the nation? Yes, Michael. Uh, Michael, he actually uh, he committed to LSU. He's going to Louisiana State. Um, we have the number one corner class of 2024. We have the number one corner class of 2025. Um, wow. It's 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 for real. That's nuts. That <laughs> that's is. why that's why I said when I got the call, I was like, I, you can't turn this down. Like, you know, let's go be great. I mean, yeah, like so deep in right the position that you're coaching. I mean, good job, man. Mm -hmm. That was all you. No, <laughs> 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 I think, hey, I think. 
the thing, like, even like the other guys, like our other guys are, are going to be legit football players also. Like, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the depth, you know, the, the headliners get all the buzz and, you know, rightfully so, but all of these kids are going to go to college and, and that's, that's what gets me excited. That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, let, I mean, let, let, let's talk a little bit more about kind of your coaching the kids. How would you describe your coaching style or philosophy if, if you had to put it into words? Um, so uh, what motivates me or like how I built my little blueprint out is I try to be the coach that I always wish that I had. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm not knocking anybody or anything, but like <laughs> back in, I had some back in the day kind of coaches, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, fire and brimstone and, you know, that kind of like molded right. me into like, how I see things because I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy myself, but I just try to like, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want the kids to know that I'm there for them on a level that's deeper than football. Like I'm not just here just to talk to you about ball and that's all that matters. I want you to be a man, you know, you're going to grow up one day. Not everybody's going to go to college. Not everybody's going to go pro. So like, who are you going to be in society? And so I kind of like try to build my conversations to where we're not just talking about football. You know, who are you as a person? And we build from there. And then once the kid really feels like, okay, coach cares about me, they'll play hard for you. You know, they'll run through a wall for you once they really feel like, you know, this is my guy and, you know, we're about to go to war. Yeah. Wow. Big players coach guy. Uh, Yeah. I just love it. That's kind of how, uh, so yeah. Coach Freeze, uh, my freshman year, at, and, um, my guy that went to Ole Miss, he's not a head coach at Liberty, but that's how he was. And I kind of felt like, I just, I just love the vibe. Like I never got that back how I wanted. Mm. So I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take that with me. And then I got this opportunity to coach back in 2000. What was that first year? 2016. And, um, and I still keep up with those kids. And it's funny. So one of my kids, from the job in Carville, he just signed with Kansas State. Oh. And, uh, he's had a heck of a journey as far. He went to JUCO in California. California JUCO shut down because of COVID. Oh he played for a season, so he was working a job. It's it's crazy. Wow. Uh, but just keeping up with those kids and hearing those stories are just like, you know what I'm saying? Like I tell them, like, bro, you're going to be 10 times the man that I am just off of these experiences that you're having now. And, right. you know, that's, that's what motivates me, honestly. That's that's incredible. What do you, what do you think? So you know, you're saying that originally you didn't think that you know you'd be a coach, or you didn't really have much thought of it. What what do you think were kind of the hardest things about becoming a coach, um, learning to become a coach, um, and, and your journey so far in in coaching high school football? Um, really, just like the teaching aspect has been the hardest part. Cause like for me, I'm just so used to being on the other end. Okay, right. somebody's telling me what to do, now I just got to go execute. But now, I'm in the position to where I need to break down the material to where you can digest it, and now you go make the plays. And just learning how to articulate that has been not a challenge, but it's been the most interesting part of this because I'm learning so much about it's the kids are so different now also. So it's like you got to put information into chunks that they can understand and that they want to understand without like turning them off as far as, okay, 
coach is, is hard on me or he's too hard on me or, you know, you just, it's a lot to navigate. Right. But just really just breaking down that information and then being comfortable with what I'm saying. Like, you got to speak with confidence now because the kids will chew you up and they'll be like, bro doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because they're going like nowadays, these kids have trainers. They have wow. you know, Uncle Joe who played like everybody has an opinion, especially when these kids are, are this good this early. Mm. Everybody's trying to get a piece of it. So. You don't want to you don't want to lose your um, I want to say clout, but I don't think that's the, the best word I could use. Sure, but you sure. don't want to lose like your your like cachet of viability or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I mean, and, and that's got to be, you know, challenging at times. Right. Because like you said, you're you're, you're kind of uh, the, the coach is very attentive to the players, you know, needs. But at the same time, you know, as you've kind of, you know, uh, I guess alluded to a little bit is that there are, you know, times when you have conflict on the opposite end where you have players who, you know, aren't necessarily on the same page with you. And then maybe you might have to, you know, put the foot down or things like that. Like, is, is, is it a challenge kind of navigating that, like still having a grip, you know, of your authority as a coach, like, you know, still while maintaining and trying to prioritize, you know, this good relationship with uh, with your players? Um, so I would say that I try to avoid coming down hard when I'm just now getting to know you, you know, something might annoy me or you might not be doing something right, but then that's fine. I'm the pat you on the back guy right now. Mm. But once you get to know me now, my expectations are growing because you know, we're, we're, we're a unit now. Like I told the kids at spring practice at Grace, I'm not, I'm not out here. This, these two weeks of practices, our first two weeks of practice. You don't know me. I don't know you. So I'm not really out here to just nitpick. Like I'm trying to learn who you are as a player and I'm trying to see what you can do good and what you can't do. And then we'll build from that. So now going into the summer will be like phase two of developing the relationships to where I can be more demanding, but I'm still not going to be overbearing. Like, I don't think I'll ever be overbearing. I've never really been a yeller. You know what I mean? Um, I do. I'm very intense and especially like in the moment, like that, that's that switch, like it flips it's, and I go back to like my playing days and I'm like, I'm just like in the matrix. It feels like, um, <laughs> but uh, I try, I'm not, I'm not too hard. Um, you know, I'm still young in the game. So like, I'm still developing like my styles as far as what works and what doesn't work. And I'm meeting different kinds of kids and it's, it's a, uh, it, it honestly is a never ending process. Like if I'm, if you're not learning, and this is, this is something that I feel about older coaches. They don't, once you have a little success, you feel like you get set in your ways. And I just feel like it's a terrible habit. Like you should ever be ever evolving. If you really, you know, are trying to be the best that you can be. So I hope I answered that. I don't really know if I did. <laughs> I think you did. Players coach. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I would love playing for you. I would love working for you, man. I mean, you said, like, you know. I, and see, that's, that's, so that's the goal as far as, like, you know, one day I want to be a head coach. Mm. So, like, my next step is to be a defensive coordinator, and that's why I'm trying to learn everything I can. And then eventually, like, I just want to be – I want to call my own shots. I want to run my own program, and I want to, like, build – I want to build something that I know, like, this was me. So, like, I'm eventually going to get there. I might have a spot for you. 
<laughs> you know, I thought you. I'll, I'll be, I I'll be your statistician, whatever you need. You know, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, analytics is big now, so you know that that can be that can be a real thing for sure. I mean, I've definitely looked into. So, like, um, I don't a little background about me. So, in in college, I used to write for um, a site called the Sports Quotient, where we did a lot of sports analytics stuff. Um, so I wrote kind of football analysis for them for for a couple of years. Um, and for a little while, I, I thought that, you know, that's that's where I wanted to go, sports analytics. And and then um, I looked into it and I realized two things. Number one, my God, I have no connections to the sports world at all. <laughs> and it's so yeah. hard. It's so hard to get your foot in the door. Um, and then number two, I, I got an interview at one place and then they told me my starting salary and I my jaw dropped <laughs> to the ground and I was like, <sighs> How much do I love football? How much do I actually love football? <laughs> Not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, I think I think it wasn't enough um at the time. But um yeah, it's uh analytics is crazy. I've 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 had the I've had the good fortune of, of talking to a few folks. Um John Park, he runs analytics up for the Colts. Um mm-hmm. there's this guy, uh the guy who runs, he's like the director of sports analytics, I think, for the Giants side. Um and then one other guy for the Dolphins, he actually used to be with Harbaugh in Baltimore. But I, I had a chance to talk to a few of the folks, and the stuff that they're doing is very different. Um, how much do you guys actually use analytics in, in high school football? I'm curious. Uh, a lot, actually. So mm-hmm. it, it all really depends on, like, who your head coach is and, like, mm-hmm. what their philosophy is. Because a lot of these guys are still, like, paper, pencil. For sure. And it's, you know – that ain't real football, you know, these <laughs> number of guys, you know, and like I've heard, so like me personally, I'm a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like the numbers can, can get you to um, a place where your eyes aren't taking you. You know what I mean? If, if that makes sense. Yep. But uh, so there's a, there's a platform called huddle. Okay. And um, it'll, it'll break down everything for you, you know, run pass percentages, you know, how much they throw on third down right. you know left hash right hash middle uh it'll give you every number you need so right and we we use that we use that um pretty frequently like that's where you're getting the base of your game plan from got it that that's super interesting i wonder how, how like into the details does it get because like i know like when i'm thinking about if i'm if i'm a cornerback right and i'm breaking down like um how I want to defend a receiver on third down, like it's going to be different depending on like what the yardage is. Right. And I'm going to break it down. Like, you know, thir- third and second, it's going to be very different from like third and eight. Um, mm-hmm. Like does it get down to like that level of like nitty gritty or is that when you kind of have to go to the film and kind of study, you know, what that team does on third and short versus third and long. So it's a combination of both. So, the like the the huddle platform will give you the data that you put in. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm watching the tape and I'm I'm gonna break down every third down play. Yeah. And it'll be thirty reps at third third down. Yeah. And so we have uh, third and six, third and five, third and ten, third and fifteen. Yep. All that goes into the numbers, and you know it kind of just crunches it up for you and gives you percentages and you know blase blase. But so like I'm watching if I'm breaking down tape. Me personally, I'm watching like what the guys are doing as far as like what's cueing me off. Okay, right. When he's going on a nine, you know, he's putting a little more pressure on that front foot. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of I'm taking notes on 
and I let the computer give me like the okay they're gonna throw it 70 the percent of the time if it's third and long or past third and medium or whatever yep so I'm looking more tendencies like me personally and then I let the numbers be the numbers so then when I'm talking to the kids Mm. I can regurgitate that kind of stuff to them because they want to know okay is this a run team is this a pass team if I'm in the boundary, do I need to be worried about the fade route or yep. is he going to be on a post or, you know, all that kind of stuff? Wow. That's sweet. That's uh, legit. That's that, legit. That, that is legit. Um, I'm curious now if you get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of, of coaching, what do you think? So, you know, if you're, if you're coaching up um, a corner and there are, you know, five things, let's say, let's just say there are five things that that you want to improve on what do you think is like the most important thing that that you want um a corner to to really work and like uh, you know work on their craft in that one area what do you think is the most important so the like the most important trait for a cornerback well let, let's see let's say well and let's put it both ways what, what do you think is the most important trait and then what do you think is like the most important kind of like skill or tool that they that they need Okay, I can do that. Um, I would say the most important trait is your mental makeup, okay? Because you're going to make mistakes, but can you let that mistake go and then play the next play? Mm. You'll be surprised. It'll be a guy that can run a 40 in two seconds and jump 80 feet in the air, but he make a mistake and then he'll he'll be poop can the whole game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I would say how you are mentally and what you can overcome as far as those in-game hurdles, that's probably the biggest thing. You can be slow. You don't have to be the fastest. We can, there's there's ways to line you up to where you can't get beat. We can scheme that. Right. Who you are in your head would probably be the biggest thing. Huh. And then the second part of that question, I would say physically, it's a 1A, 1B. So for me, 1A would be hips. Mm-hmm. Um, can you change direction? You know, if, he, if he's pushing you vertical on the outside and he sticks back up under you, can you flip your hips and run with him? Right. and not be beat by five yards for a touchdown. <laughs> um, and then one B for me would be ball skills. Um, mm. A lot of coaches don't wouldn't put that up there that high. Yeah. But for me, we're offensive players on the defense side of the ball. Go get the ball. Like, mm. go. I don't – like, I tell the kids, a pass breakup is fine, a PBU, is, that's, you know, that little acronym or whatever. That's cool. You knock the ball down, but just catch it, like – <laughs> Let's get off the field. You knocked it down, and now it's third down. They have another chance. Right. Anything can happen. But if you ain't caught that play, we're off the field. Offense is back up. We're drinking water. So I try to drill that in. We got to turnovers, ball skills, ball skills, ball skills, making plays on the ball in the air. That's that's if you can if you can flip your hips and you can catch the ball, you're gonna make some money. That that reminds me of Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah, but he's uh, a gambler. He is a gambler. Oh, he is a hundred. I've got. I've seen him get beat so many times deep. But he then drive me crazy if I had to coach him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> actually, this is. The, I think that's a great example. So let's say you're coaching Trayvon Dicks. Oof, you know, stop gambling. <laughs> I, give, I will give back. I will give back five or six of those interceptions to give back eight hundred of the yards that he gave up. Hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that's a great way to put it. Actually. Yeah, I mean, take, co- coach, take... you told us to go out there and catch it. I mean, like, you know. Yeah, okay, but he had, oh, he had, what did he have, 12? 13, maybe even. 13 picks? Yeah. Okay, I give back five of them. Give yeah. back five, and we have about seven. We have sitting at seven picks, which is still puts you in the top 5% of the league. Yeah. So we're, not, we're not doing terrible. 
but I'm gonna get a ton of those yards back. Yeah. And me being a Cowboy fan, oh there's yeah, a ton of games where I was watching, and I'm just like, dude, stop, please, stop doing. This. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm not. I wasn't too much of a gambler. I mean, I kind of coached the kids to where, like, if you're comfortable enough to make that play, then let's make the play. But okay. Um, like there was an example. We were at practice, and one of my guys undercut a ball, and he missed it, and the quarterback put some air on it, mm-hmm. touchdown. So I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know, what are we thinking? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I thought I could, you know, I thought I could make a play on the ball. I'm like, I understand that. But as far as how does that relate to the coverage that we were running? Mm-hmm. So he gambled low and there's no help over the top or to the middle of the field. Right. So there's literally no one back there. So to me, that's, that's not smart. Why are we gambling with no help? Makes sense. It, it, it'd be different if you have a safety somewhere and you know we can funnel them and you know this that and the third but yep i'm jumping stuff and there's nobody back there that's crazy <laughs> don't do that ever again <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and you got anything else uh coaching wise no no I, I think that's just really interesting so so, so basically henry, henry you, you you want your guys to gamble only when it's appropriate, but when they do, you better catch it. You got to have those balls. <laughs> That's skills. it. That's it. I'll never I mean, be mad at you for making a play. But if I we would don't love it. Play, I would love it if all my cornerbacks were able to do that on my team. I mean, what more can you ask for, right? <laughs> and and really, in all honesty, so it's like, okay, I'm not trying to have to explain to the head man why my guys are gambling and mm. making these plays that aren't the smartest plays, like. Right. Y'all are putting me in a position, so now we're not going to be in a position. <laughs> there is no gambling. <laughs> no gambling. We're just going to play head up, make the play if it comes to you. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. We're not making right. more work for me. <laughs> that is true. At the end of the day, you still need to be at Grayson High School next year. So, exactly. No, <laughs> gotcha. got that makes total sense. That makes Save total sense. House. Yeah, we got stuff going on. Great. Um Let's go to that. Let's go to that question, right? About like, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we're not dealing with, you know, you know, 18, 19 year old, you know, adults at this point, we're, we're dealing with, you know, kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. of course, you know, parents are going to be a big part of, you know, uh, you know, the kids development, especially at this age. And I'm sure, you know, you probably have a lot more contact, you know, with parents mm-hmm. at, at this, you know, at the high school level than, you know, you would at the college level. Could you tell me a little bit about how, you know, having parents, you know, in the mix, you know, you know, fighting over playing time or, you know, concerns about the safety that you were talking about um, and how, you know, that really throws a wrench in kind of, you know, the role of a high school coach. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with the safety part. Um, in all honesty, it's crazy to me, but I don't, I don't know where the game is going as far as, um, I mean, people always tell me I'm crazy when I say stuff like this because it's a billion-dollar industry and, you know, this, that, and the third. But it's impossible to play defense almost. Like, mm-hmm. I, we, we can't hit nobody. We can't yeah. – you know, it's just – it's it's they're taking the physicality out of the game, which is rightfully so because, you know, guys are getting their heads knocked off and, yeah. you know, this third. But there's – I don't – me personally, I don't know where the middle ground is, but it's it's going to a place to where – by the time that we're old men, the football we'll be looking at won't be, you know, what we're used to, mm. which I guess is kind of like that's the boomer talk because they say the same thing now. Like <laughs> you couldn't have played with the Steelers in the 60s or, you know, whatever. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm turning into one of those. Guys. 
but like player safety is a big deal. Um, you know, um, we try to do a lot of things. We try to limit, you know, contact and periods to where like we're not just banging heads the whole time. You'll have three or so. The way practice goes, usually it'll be about 21 periods. So we try to like keep everything like on a strict time schedule. Um, period one, two will be maybe like your pre-practice. We're working backpedal and that kind of stuff. But out of the 21 periods, there might be five periods where we're actually like knocking heads, like mm. a real game-like situation, or maybe we'll do third down situation. So we're taking a lot of the contact out of the game. And I have seen parents, especially for younger kids coming up, like the middle school kids coming to the high school, you know, like, what are you doing to keep my child safe? And there's a thing called guardian caps that we wear on top of our helmets at practice. They're like a shock absorber. Mm. Uh, but like, that's a conversation that's hard for me to have because I don't really know. Like I can't really give a parent a clean answer because it's fluid. Like thing is, you don't know where the game's going. Like, I can't tell you, um, there's an inherent risk, but there's inherent risk with everything. So yeah. you know what you're signing up for. Um, me personally, I would tell parents, like I kind of appreciate my mom now, like I see it big picture like I didn't have to play football in third grade to be a good football player so like yeah. we're taking those hits off of the kids at a younger age where you're really not even being taught how to tackle safely and how not to use your head and all that kind of stuff so I give parents advice let them develop them in other sports let them play baseball let them play soccer let them play you know whatever just to make you a better all-around athlete so that way when you do get on the grass your, fu your, your function skills are, are that much better hand-eye coordination, you know, read and react, all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. That's, that's a slippery slope, honestly. I, <laughs> I can't tell you um, what, what it's going to look like, but I just try to be upfront. Like I say, it's, it's all about the relationships with me. So, like, if the parent feels like I'm being true or, like, being um, – forward or whatever that word is I'm looking for yeah I think they appreciate that yeah because at the end of the day they understand like hey you know the answer to the question like you can get knocked out out there like this it's not a joke you know what I mean so if they feel like okay he's being real he didn't really tiptoe around it you know little Johnny can get hurt like that's just that's just it is what it is yeah I think they appreciate that and they're like okay so my son is in the hands of a guy who has at least thought about this right um I can't remember what you asked. <laughs> playing time. Because, I mean, you're playing working with a lot of talented dudes, right? I mean, the, how do you handle playing time? And whether, you know, it's player frustration or whether, you know, the parents might be frustrated. I mean, you know, like, how do you deal with that? So just to keep it simple, it's the best is going to play. Like, if you, the best 11 are going to play. So my thing is, is giving people um, plenty of opportunities and practice to earn that chance. Mm. so I'm divvying up reps between guys so um I, I wish I had brought my laptop up here <laughs> I could have I read off like how we broke down spring practice okay. believe um all together it was around 400 reps for all eight days and you know all my guys were within six or seven reps of each other oh. as far as you know getting the opportunity and that's from the best guys to the the dude who doesn't know left from right. <laughs> so, but like that gives you the opportunity to feel like, okay, I'm working and coach is giving me the chance to prove myself. So it's not like, 
so with high school football, it's it's way more political. Like there's there's a lot of politics that goes into it. You know, whose parent does what for the program, or you right. know, that and the third. So you always got to navigate that. But at the end of the day, all playing time questions go to the head coach. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Mm. I'm just here to put the right guy on the field, and that's what I tell mom and dad. And I'll be like, okay, if you want to have a meeting, you know, we will gladly sit down with you and explain to you our process. But um, the best is going to play, you know, because I'm not here to play favorites. I'm here to win. And I'm, you know, it's not personal. Like, I love all you guys, all everybody in my group. You know, y'all are my guys and my little brothers, you know, whatever, whatever we're going to call it. But it's only two of y'all that are going to touch that grass. And that has to be the two best. Or I'm doing myself a disservice. And they understand that. But, you know, feelings are feelings are real. And, you know, kids are kids. And you know, it's a lot of mas- ego massaging, so it's just, it comes with the job. <laughs> it is. It's never ending, honestly. Uh, and so, like, this school, the school that I'm at now, it's yeah. a little different because everybody's good. Mm. So, I've been at a job before um, where it's like, I'm kind of getting forced to play a kid who's not really that good, but you know, little Johnny's dad donated ten thousand dollars to the fund, so he needs to play Friday. Like I've heard that, I've had that conversation. Wow, and it's, it's it's uncomfortable, but you know, you understand. Like at the end of the day, number one, I'm not the boss, so I don't get to call that shot. So, right. You know, at the end of the day, it all falls on him. So if that's what you want, then you know, I'm here to facilitate it. Right. Wow. I mean, that's that that's really tough. Um. Touching back on the, the player safety issue, because I think that's been a hot topic in high school, middle school, you know, even like peewee football all the way up to the NFL. Um, I'm curious, do y'all ever play on turf? So, uh, well, for starters, I'm not a turf guy. Mm-hmm. I, I like natural grass. I yeah. just think it's better better for your joints. I think that's where a lot of these injuries come from. I'm not a scientist though, so there's I don't <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> but um, we're actually getting a turf field. They they're digging up our grass field and we're oh, getting wow. turf field. Um but every school that I've been at except for my first job is played on turf. Um I'm not I just it's not natural. Right. It makes you 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 go so much faster on turf, and I think that's where the bodies can't quite react because I can stick and move so much faster and mm. that's where my joints aren't they can't hold that kind of pressure, but that's, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a scientist, so don't quote me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I, I, I'm not either. So don't quote me either. But, um, you know, if you like, especially in the NFL, if you look at it, like where players get hurt the most, it's on, it's on turf fields. Like it's on when they're in practice, it's on turf. Like it happens so often on turf that I can't, I can't possibly believe that turf is a safer or even as safe as, as natural grass. It's just, it's not bonkers. a yeah, exactly, exactly. It's so we'll pay the hundred forty thousand dollars up front to get the turf field. Now we have a multi surface where we can play lacrosse and soccer and you know right. whatever, whatever. But we don't have to maintain the grass all year round, and the money adds up. So it's really not about. It's just it's convenience. Right. So you're trading convenience for you know X Y Z, and I don't know if there's a number to back that, but just like just recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, SEC championship, Jameson Williams, he's running down the middle of the field, yep. catches the ball, sticks, and his leg gives out. Yep. 
because you're putting so much force into the ground and it's not giving back. Like there's something about the earth. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> it's not natural. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. Kind of like uh, Odell in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. He, catches, he plants. Um, and I believe I read somewhere that a lot of these injuries come from leading with the heel. Like when your heel touches the ground before your toe. Oh, wow. It ends up a uh, ancillary shock or some mumbo jumbo term into your <laughs> joint. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Oh, man. Not the biggest fan. But yeah. like I say, sometimes I feel like I sound like a boomer and I've got to catch myself. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. I, I, I personally think that we should get rid of turf, but, you know, I'm also not a football player. So what, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about the, the like the scouting process for college teams and, and high school football players? Um, obviously, there's been a big change with NIL um, and a lot of money flooding in, and we don't we don't really know what the full impact is going to be. Obviously, we've seen some of it, but you know it's still very new and it could go any which way. Uh, would love to just get your thoughts on on what it was like before and how do you think it might change now with all this money? Um, like I say, sometimes I feel like I have boomer takes and I'm not the biggest proponent of the NIL or at least the way that it's constructed currently. Yeah. It's just, there's no, I'm going to sound like Nick Saban when he was talking about Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> But like, there's no set, there's no set rules. Like yeah. each state has a different legislation. So I can do what I can give you X amount of dollars because Texas doesn't have income tax or you right. know, Florida. whatever. The, yeah. Yeah. Whatever the loophole is, there's a loophole. I just think I'm cool with guys getting paid. I'm hundred percent cool with guys getting paid. I wish I could have got paid. Like right. you put yourself through so much and the majority, 1% of the guys go to the league. So yeah. It would have been nice to have a trust set up or something to fall back on or just to propel yourself out into life yep. after getting your head knocked in for four years. Like, <laughs> But um, it's just, it's not uniform currently. So right. if I want to go to, okay, like I'm a Tennessee fan. I, I'm a Tennessee Vol fan. We just got a commitment from this quarterback out in California. Um, and word on the street is that he's going to get $8 million to come to Tennessee for his NIL valuation <laughs> holy cow right so i don't know if i agree with that i don't know if i can say that a kid who hasn't played a down in college football yeah should get a million dollar contract yeah and then also if i'm already on the team and i'm the quarterback in waiting and i'm not first off i'm not making eight million dollars and second yeah, yeah. They're not bringing this guy in here to ride the bench making $8 million. Yep. So it just it just creates so many – it just seems like the job to manage that is going to be crazy if they don't regulate it. Um, but as far as the process, if you're trying to go to college and you're trying to play sports, you have to camp at the university. Oops, mm. what I, <laughs> press the button. Sorry, fellas. No, you're good. I think your camera went off or something. Oh, there you go. You're back. <laughs> talking with my hands <laughs> but if you're trying to go to college you have to camp at the universities so mm. they have mega camps like there's a mega camp here every year at mercer 
and it'll be 75 colleges out here. And, and if you go out there and, you know, you do your thing, you can really blow up. Wow. So like I was telling you, um, my 10th grade year, there's a little small school in, in Tennessee, uh, Austin Peay State University in Clarksville. I went to the camp. The guy told me I had great straight line speed, but my hips were kind of bad. And if I'm going to try to be a college football player, that's something that I got to work on. Mm -hmm. But you go to those camps and that's where you get the feedback on, okay, what do I need to do to get a scholarship from you guys? Basically, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what do you need to see from me? Right. Um, so that's the biggest thing. But on the other side of that coin, if you go to these camps too early, and you, because there's there's databases with your 40 time and your L drill and your shuttle and your vert and all that kind of stuff. If you go out there and you look like poochies, that's going to stay with you <laughs> forever. So if you decide to go to a camp, you need to be ready to camp and put your best foot forward. Because wow. if I go out there and I run a 4.9 and I'm in the 11th grade, you're done. Like. You can run a four six the next time, but they're gonna also they're gonna see that four nine and they're gonna they're gonna have a reservation as far as what's the discrepancy. Mm, yeah. So you just gotta understand that those numbers go with you for forever. And when you when you when you step out there for that camp or it's basically an audition, a job interview, right. you need to be ready to, you know, be your best. But as far as getting recru recruited and getting that first scholarship offer, it's the camps. Camp season, which really is spring through the summer. Like I was telling you, uh, one of our defensive linemen at Grayson, he was camping today at, at Georgia, and he right. got an offer. Which he'll he'll walk in, he'll walk into like certain guys. You're gonna check all the boxes just because you're six four, three hundred pounds. Right. <laughs> you, can, you know what I mean? Like yeah, some guys yeah. got it like that. <laughs> but if you're like if you're a regular guy, you know, and I'll put that loosely, but like if you're just a dude, you got to go there and you got to be memorable. You got to be like, okay. When coach goes home, he looks over his notes. Okay, number 17 from today, I need to go get in contact with this coach and find out who this kid is. Because he mm -hmm. was, every time I looked at him, he was flashing. Oh. That's the biggest thing, yeah. Camp, camp, camp. So it's interesting because you have to, you have to be, like you said, be at a position where you feel like you are not going to go out there and make an embarrassment of yourself. But at the same time, these camps are also resources where you get feedback, right? To right. improve. And so it is interesting how like the you probably don't line. want to save it till the very end because maybe that feedback is going to be valuable. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, you know, if you go too early, right, like you said, you know, you're going to you're, you're going to end up getting burned. It's, that, that, that's a little bit of a tough, uh, tough call, I think, at times. I so like for myself personally, I started camping late. Like I should have my dad was trying to get me to go to camps eighth grade. But like I had like this weird thing in my head, like, you know bro, you're not good enough. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and it's real, like imposter syndrome is real. Like the nothing, there was nothing anybody, in all honesty, I should be in the NFL. Like, that's how I feel. Like mm -hmm. if I had, if I had did what I was supposed to do, there's nothing that should have kept me from that goal. Uh -huh. But the men, like I was telling you, the mental part of the game is so big and that's what guys don't understand. So I didn't go to my first camp until 10th grade, I think. Wow. And that's not late, but it's not early when there's guys in your same class who've already on college's radars as far as because you've been running and jumping and doing what you need to do and looking impressive. So I kind of got a late start. And I think that kind of like slowed my recruiting as far as I could have went to a bigger school, in my opinion, you know, and everybody's going to think that they were 
you know, I believe it. I believe it. Deion Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. So right. that's what I try to tell the kids. Like, I've gone through so many things and I've taken the wrong step or, you know, whatever. And I always try to tell the guys, bro, just listen. Like, you, there's nothing that you've done that I haven't done or yeah. trying to do except for GoPro. Like, literally, that's it. So if I can help you get to that next step, you just got to be willing to hear that information. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to talk to somebody that's pro, I got friends that are pro and then they'll give you the part that I don't have. Wow. That, that's kind of insane to think that like you're an eighth grader, you're what, 13, 14 years old and you're going out there and mm-hmm. literally the trajectory of your career, your entire career, your, your life now. could be on the line yeah. when, you know, for the, I don't, I don't know how long like a camp session is for the few hours that you're out there on the field yeah. when you're 13, 14 years old. That's, that's crazy to think about. And I can't even imagine like what the pressure might be like on a kid who knows all of that. Right. Like that's, you see, that's the hard part. That's where I feel like you can't let them know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. If I'm a parent, okay. Yeah. I got to be confident in the fact that little Johnny, we'll just use little Johnny. He's been putting in the work and he's ready, but he doesn't need to know that if he goes out there and this isn't our best, you know, we, we got a lot of work to do or you can't just go have fun. That's the biggest thing that I try to tell these guys. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, you're going to hate it. It's too much work to not enjoy yourself. So just go have fun. But in the back of your mind, you got to understand that this is like, this is serious. Like, you know, I've I've had a kid. Um, he just got his first offer. So this was at at the at Monday's Mill, my job in Clayton County. Mm-hmm. He just got his first offer from Reinhardt, but he went to a camp his ninth grade year. He didn't run his best, but his film is good. Like he's making plays on film. Mm-hmm. Two way player, defensive back, quarterback, receiver. Just you know, just he's wow. just one of those guys that does a lot um but like I would send his film out and then coaches would get on the database and then they would always ask about well where did this slow 40 come from Mm. I'm like (laughs) like it's real it's real like those numbers stay with you and they're gonna they're gonna ask and they're gonna you know they're gonna vet you through and through because at the end of the day their job is to get the best kids on campus because if they don't do that then they're not gonna have a job so it's all connected Wow. So everybody's stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting stressed just hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, anyway, what else you got? Uh, I, I mean, outside of, you know, of course, going to the camps, then if there is, you know, one thing that you want to tell, you know, all the high school kids that are trying to, you know, get to college, make it pro, what, what is the tip that you have for them? Well, it'd be two things. So number one is your grades matter. Like you have to, the higher your GPA is, the easier it is to get recruited. Like, and I try to tell the guys that all the time. Like there's like this misconception that like you can be booby miles and you know, you can't read, but you're, you know, you're just a damn, or excuse me, (laughs) you're just like, you're just a dude. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. That's one in a million. That, that's one guy who's going to get that opportunity. You need a 3.0 just to just to look good on paper. I tell kids, we need to be in honors AP classes, and we need to have good grades. We need to have A's and B's. Mm. Because when the college comes in here, 
and they're looking at that sheet. Okay, uh, little Johnny, three point five, taking two honors classes. Let me check out his film. His film is decent. He's not jumping off the screen, but he's a football player. But he has everything else. I'm gonna offer him before I offer Mr. Jump off the film, but he has a 2.0 because he's gonna come on campus and is he even gonna be able to, you know, make it through the whole process as far as being eligible and what you need to do with so much more free time in college. It's a lot that goes into it. So number one for me would be grades. If you can show that you can just, because in all honesty, high school now is like, dude, if you don't have a 4.0, you're kidding. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like, I wish I went to school back. Like seriously, like we need to. So, like, and I tell the guys, this isn't hard, man. Like, no, this is hard. Like, please just do what you have to do. Play the game within the game, and that's what I call mm. like these life things: the game within the game, and you'll be all right. Um, so, number one is just in the building, in school, handling your business, and then number two is it's like the intangible, like it's an obsession. Like, are you obsessed? Because if you're not obsessed, you're not going to make it. And that's just real. You'll make it to college, but if, if we're talking about NFL, like, you you have to eat it, breathe it, sleep it. Like, it's an obsession to be the best that I can be because everybody's good at that level. Like, the worst guy is the best guy from somebody's college. You know what I mean? Right. So if, you, right. if you're not if you're not in it 100 percent, then you're just, you know, NFL stands for not for long. And that's real. That reality. Like, Wise words. Wise words. That's I heard that one before real. the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> got to use that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's hey, right? so good. I have, it's not copyrighted. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>